0: We're sisters, best friends, and authors on a mission to help you stoke your creative fire and live the life of your dreams. We believe that purpose fuels passion and that creativity is your secret weapon for mass construction. There's never been a better time to bless the world with your dream realized. You're listening to The Kate and Abby Show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Kate and Abby Show. Today, we're talking all about genre blending. The art of combining two or more genres to create a truly unique story. So, this concept sounds pretty awesome on paper, but when you start writing a story like this, it can raise a lot of questions. How do you combine two different genres and make it feel natural? Will you still appeal to a target audience? How should you describe this new genre? Those are just a few of the questions that Kate and I will be answering in today's podcast. Before we get started, we have to thank our sponsors who are you. That's right, you guys are the ones who keep this show alive, and we so appreciate your support. So if you get value out of this show, go to patreon.com slash the Kate and Abby show and help us keep this show alive and free of interruptions. So, Kate... We both have a little bit of experience. You have way more than I do, but we both have some experience in genre blending. I feel like you blend genres way more than I do, but I have done it in the past, so we can both like talk from our different experiences because your books definitely I would consider some genre blending going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people would consider them that. I find the thing... that is the most interesting about quote-unquote genre blending is... It kind of just is what it is, and I don't really don't pay attention to genres that much. Yeah, and what you have to do is think about the individual story itself, not so much like what genre is this? Am I fitting this genre correctly? Is you know this niche gonna like that? Just go with the flow of what you want. You know what I mean? Because uh, uh, at one point in time, no one was writing sci-fi, and then people started writing. Oh, this certain combination of things. Uh, Okay, everyone. See, a bunch of people are doing this combination, and we're going to call this combination. We're going to draw a circle around it and call it science fiction.
0: Yeah, I was thinking so about you know that I mean? with um, urban fantasy, right? Because I think urban fantasy is pretty much like its own genre now. Yeah, considered its own genre, and right. really that's like uh, a like a very classic example of genre blending because you have contemporary, basically, right, and fantasy. So now it's urban fantasy,
1: right? It's it's like how you know. Back, uh, like, a few decades when people wanted to buy, like, a certain type of dog, right? <laughs> and they would, like, you know, oh, it's a purebred poodle. It's a purebred Labrador. And then, like, people started doing, oh, it's a Labradoodle. and It was, like, this fun little mixed yeah. breed. But now that's, like, its own breed. Yeah, it's so, like, it's so common. People are paying, yeah. like, thousands of dollars to get a, quote, unquote, purebred Labradoodle. Well, guess what? That used to be called a mutt. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean. So yep. that's the thing is, uh, all it is is like a combination that people have grown to like so much, and it's become uh, so much in demand that now it's its own thing, right? You know what I mean. So yeah. it's the same thing with genres, like oh, uh, uh, fantasy in an urban, realistic, and or dystopian environment, right? Okay, that happens over and over. We're you know what, let's call it its own thing. This is urban fantasy.
0: Right. You know so what don't I mean? be afraid to yeah. to color outside the lines because right. then you'll probably you might end up like creating a new genre. Right. That becomes really popular.
1: Right. So so it's not something to be shied away from like oh, I'm not fitting in my genre correctly. Well, who cares? You know, what what really, and we've talked about this so much, what really brings someone through a story is the meaning and why it matters to the characters. Right. The character development. The characters are what keep people there for the story. Not like, oh, this doesn't seem to match my particular idea of sci-fi. Right. I think I'll stop reading it. Well, if it's a compelling story, we're not going to care how many genres you're blending in. Yeah. yeah.
0: The story has to come first yeah. always. And by story, we, of course, mean characters, yeah. <laughs> the characters and their internal journeys that always has to come first. And like you said, the genre is sort of like secondary to that. It's kind of like an afterthought. I th- I feel like too many writers put too much importance and too much. Um, they spend a lot of energy on figuring out the exact genre, and making sure the plot is fitting in that genre rather than spending that time and energy figuring out the characters and how do I make the characters compelling? And that's what needs to come first. The characters always have to come first because what will happen if you put all of your eggs in the basket of the plot is you might see something similar out in the real world and, you know, walking through Barnes & Noble one day, you pick up a novel and it looks just like your plot and you're like, oh my God, I'm heartbroken. Right. I thought I was the one who thought of that. But see, right. it won't matter if you have compelling characters who are deeply conflicted that you have some unique perspective to bring to these characters because nobody can bring your perspective to those characters' journeys, especially if they're going on a journey to discover a truth that you discovered. It's like a personal realization for you. Nobody else can write that. Yeah. Because you're now drawing on your own life experience and your own aha moment. Yes. So it's, it's, that's
1: where the gold is for sure. And people like to read the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So if, you, if you like something like <laughs> – really do. Like we've talked about how And that's you kind like, of what makes genres. Right. Like you know? you've said before, Tropes. like, you know, I love, you know, feel-goody uh, uh, contemporary romance. Right. Well, you, you want to be like, oh, well, I already read a book like that. No <laughs> need to ever read another one ever again. Yeah. You know what I mean? People who um, like a certain type of story will seek out other stories like that. Yeah. So you see that. Customers also bought this. Right. Why do you think that exists? People who read a a vampire romance most likely have read a dozen of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So if you see something like your book, don't be like, oh my gosh, you know, my idea is deflated. Right. No, that's actually good. So what you're right, bringing to its actually to like table, social proof. Yes, <laughs> that there's right. a fan
0: base for this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, right. So it shouldn't it shouldn't make you feel insecure about your idea at all.
1: Yeah, it, because you're going to be providing something to your own niche, your yes. own audience. It'd be like you know someone who wants to start a pizza place, and they're like, oh well, someone already made pizza on the planet, so I don't need to do that. Well, guess what? You have your own location and your own customers. So even though it's been done a thousand, a hundred thousand million times before, people are still going to want what you have and your particular take on that thing. Right. Exactly. Your people are out there. We've said that before on different podcasts,
0: but that's important to remember Mm -hmm. is your audience is out there, even if you're writing something that's a little more offbeat, a little more unique.
1: Yeah. People like that. People like to see something new and fresh and different.
0: Look at like cyberpunk and steampunk those are two genres that I've always thought are like very niche but there is a niche of people out there who love those stories and love that genre so it might not be my thing particularly but it's somebody's thing Mm -hmm. so what you're writing is somebody's thing because It's obviously your taste since you're writing it. You're spending all this time and energy and effort writing something that you really love. Chances are someone else will love it too. So your people are definitely out there. And I think one of the things that stops writers from genre blending or coloring outside the lines, (laughs) however you want to say it, um, trying new things, what stops them from doing that is feeling like this won't be marketable either as an indie author or trying to pitch it to a publishing house. Like, will there be an appeal for this? Will there be readers for this particular genre? And how do I describe it? I think that's one of the tricky things that people run into. (laughs) One of the problems that a lot of writers run into, or it prevents them from blending genres in the first place because they're afraid they won't be able to describe it. But there are a lot of ways to describe your thing, whether even if it's something super unique. One of my favorite ways to describe things, and this is especially good with um, genre blending, is to use comparable titles, but to use them in like the mashup form. So it's this meets this, and you've seen that done before, but that's one of the easiest ways to describe your book. So this is especially handy if you are unsure of how to describe your book, and you're like, well, it has a little bit of paranormal and a little bit of romance, but also has sci-fi, and it also has some urban fantasy, like contemporary stuff. And there's also thriller elements. That's not helpful to anybody. That's not helpful to the publishing house. That's not helpful to your potential readers. It's not helpful to your beta readers, even. So it's so much more helpful if you can find two examples, preferably, that are a good description it doesn't have to be a perfect description but just gives the person a general idea of what this book is like like this comparable title meets this comparable title is way more straightforward than trying to list all of the ingredients you know it's sort of like if you made a some sort of fancy dessert and you're like well It has, like, strawberries and, um, like, cake and whipped cream and listing, like, all these different ingredients versus being, like, it's, like, strawberry shortcake meets something else. I can't think of any example.
1: (laughs) Confetti birthday cake. Yeah, there you go. It's, like, strawberry
0: shortcake meets confetti birthday cake. Now you know exactly what that is versus if I just was, like, listing all the ingredients.
1: Yeah, then I get lost in, like, all these little details. Yeah. And I think, too— And you can't create a good image mm -hmm. quickly. It can kind of be like laughing at your own joke, in a way, to—when you start getting into, um, like— Telling people what it is like, oh, it's a thriller and it's this and it's this and it's this. And it's like, you're kind of telling me how I should feel about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, in this thrilling epic. uh, 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 It's like, well, if it is all those things, I'm going to feel it automatically. What's better is to draw my attention to what the precise premise is the hook that will draw me in yeah like I remember Mark Dawson and I can't remember the author I think I want to say his name was Adam Croft he had him on an episode a couple years ago and I remember listening to and he was talking about how the you really use like the hook to pull your reader into a story and his tagline on his book which was like some kind of crime thriller thing was like would you kill your wife to save your daughter and What he was saying is like that, this like spooky question was like, "Oh, you know, I from that question I already know a lot about the book. It's going to be kind of a crime thriller. It's going to be like, you know, conspiracy, chase scenes. I get all that just from that question alone, especially if I'm seeing the book cover and then I'm seeing that tagline and it has some kind of thrilling sounding name. So a lot of times we don't even need to get down in the weeds of like it's a thriller, it's an epic uh, you know, conspiracy theory, sci-fi. You know, you don't even need to tell me about those things or how I should feel about them, the emotions I'm going to have because I've all, I'm have already like, ooh, I bet you this will make me feel like, ah, uh, you know, this will be a thrilling type of book to read. I kind of, what that does is it makes me engage with it rather than telling me what it is. Do you know what I mean? Mm, this yeah. is like a little bit off topic from the genre thing. No, it, it's, it is relevant though, for right. sure,
0: because it, it goes into um, the description describing your book to either your the people you're trying to sell it to so that could be your publishing house that could be your readers you know um to put it very simply (laughs) um so that is a way better way to do it is to come up with a a good compelling tagline a hook that pulls people in using your premise using your character's
1: journey and struggle that they're going to be experiencing um and really, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many genres right. it is. If right. you can cut to the chase and cut to what is the heart of this story? Why does it matter to the characters? What's what is the guts of the thing? Right. And pull that to the surface because you'll find that regardless of how many genres it is, right. And, that's, and people won't really care right. what genre it is. All at right. That point. Yeah.
0: You know, if you've if you've deftly described this book. In a way that pulls people in and they feel like they can already relate to the characters. They already want to see what's going to happen. They're not even thinking about what genre it is anymore, mm-hmm. you know. So right. that's another thing to keep in mind, which we should talk about blurbs and stuff in the future because that kind of goes into like the blurb world, which is yeah. a whole other topic. But
1: whole it's, other universe itself.
0: Yeah, and, and
1: part of the blurb
0: that I always – the call to action part of the blurb, you can do several things with it, but I always like to make at least one call to action that involves comp title meets comp title because it's the, such a simple, fast, succinct way to describe yeah. your book. Especially, Especially if, if you're you genre are marketing –
1: what's that? Especially if you're
0: genre blending.
1: Yes. And you're if you're marketing to similar audiences – Yes. Like if you've written a book that you think people who have read Twilight are going to love, then if they see, oh, okay, people who like that book will probably, it's kind of like this book meets this book. Oh, well, I read that book and I like it. So you're right away bringing that to their mind and making them realize, oh, this is a similar thing. Mm -hmm. People who liked this also liked this. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think another thing, another pitfall to avoid with genre blending is adding too many ingredients (laughs) is one of the things that I think and this goes to um, focusing too much on genre I think people trying to make their story unique by just putting in tons of different ingredients which doesn't work all the time so sometimes that's okay sometimes it just seems way too overloaded with all of these various elements that are like sort of competing for your attention so you want to make sure that the ingredients you put into your genre blended book complement each other and they don't distract from each other so you don't want the genre being pulled in too many different directions yes it's important to focus on the story and the characters first always put the story and the characters first but and then once you start doing that actually you won't even think about how many different genres can I add to this mix to make it unique? Because now your uniqueness is coming from a different place. You know, I think a lot of a lot of writers who blend genres rely too heavily on, well, this has to be super unique. And then you start making some bad moves by putting too many different elements in it and trying to make them all work together, but then they end up distracting from each other and not really complementing each other. So that's a good thing to keep in mind as well as your people. Keep your people in mind. Who's going to be reading this? What's your ideal reader look like? Is it you? And if so, what would actually appeal to you? You know, what different elements from these different genres come together well and complement each other? Sort of like, you know, making food, making a smoothie. You don't just put anything that's good for you into the smoothie and blend it because it won't taste good. You have to put things in that complement each other, and it can still be healthy and great, but it has right. to complement each other in order for it to be palatable and yummy.
1: Right, like you don't want a bone broth blueberry
0: smoothie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yup, uh, that sounds exactly. so bad.
0: Exactly. So it might be good for you, but it's like, uh, no, no, thank you. Um, and that's another thing with like whether you're pitching your book to a um, publishing house or you're selling it to your readers. Um, You want to be able to make it as easy as possible for you to describe it, right? So you don't want all of these different genres competing for the reader's attention. And by this point, they're just confused like, what? is what is this even also there's another thing to think about as far as the technical side goes with categorizing your book so when you get to the publishing process whether it's a traditional publishing deal or you're you're publishing it yourself if you're publishing it yourself you're going to have to do this process yourself as in figure out the categories it goes in what actually is the genre. You're going to have to nail down those categories. And it's good to have blended genres a lot of times in things like Amazon, where you can rank higher in your category if your category is super niche. But you want to make sure you're niche enough that you have a category to be niche in, you know. So, right. so that's another like more technical thing yeah. to think about as well. for people who are and a lot of times
1: it's not even something you have to like actively do it's usually already there and you have to just look at the elements of the story and see like okay what what components are actually here like that's the process I went through with my book anomaly like when I really sat down and looked at the categories on Amazon the categories that were available I realized okay this is um a it's a, it has contemporary, it has paranormal, and it's actually also in the foster children category. So it like fit those three categories that all three of those together were quite un, quite a unique combination. So a, a, and I hadn't even thought about it until I sat down and looked at the categories that were available to me. So it's good to just be aware. Like, don't rush through that step mm-hmm. and really think like, okay, well, what do we have going on here? Do we have any paranormal elements? Do we have any um, any of these more niche elements? Yeah. Um, are there time travel elements, things like that? That you like? Oh, yeah, there is a time travel element, but it's not like the main part of the story, but it's still very present. Well, then you might want to list one of those categories as time travel, right? And then you have a unique combination of mm. things, yeah, which it's ranking,
0: which helps your ranking, pushes right. you up in the ranks. And anomaly, I think, was at number two in its category for a long time um, on Amazon and that's a really good ranking and it's good to think about genre blending as you have an advantage there especially if you're an indie author and you're trying to get your book in front of more people and up in the rankings on Amazon or on other retailer websites don't just think oh well you know Regular old sci-fi appeals to more people. There's a bigger audience there, so I'll just make myself write regular old sci-fi instead of steampunk historical fantasy. And come to find out that genre actually would have had more specific people in it, which would have allowed you to get higher in the rankings and get in front of more of those people. Because when you're in a pool of a genre that is very big and has a lot of different books in it, um, you're going to be more easily lost. I think your book will be more easily lost versus if you're in a smaller niche, like with genre blending, you now have more of a chance of getting in front of your ideal readers versus going under a broader umbrella term. Um, so that's definitely something to think about, especially as an indie author. Of course, you should just go with whatever is on your heart to write. (laughs) But it is a good thing to think about if you're like on the fence and you kind of want to blend genres, but you're afraid that you won't appeal to as many people. That's not true. You will still appeal to the same amount of people. There may be a smaller niche, but you may get in front of more of those people in that niche than you would have in the broader niche is what I'm trying to say. So another false belief people have about genre blending is that you won't appeal to people because it's like super niche but that's not true obviously based on everything we just said there's kind of like this it's kind of like the the principle in marketing that if you try to appeal to everybody you appeal to nobody sort of thing so I think making yourself Stay inside the box can do more harm than good because you're trying to appeal to too many people. And in doing so, you kind of appeal to nobody or you don't stand out as well, you yeah. know? Yes. But you could have stood out more if you had just followed your inclination to make, to color outside the lines a bit, take a risk, break some rules, and have fun with it. And come to find out your people are actually out there and they're waiting for something like that.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, when you look at like things that have rabid fan bases, the one that's jumping to my head right now is like Doctor Who. And I've never really watched that show very much. Um, I've watched several episodes of it and it's a pretty funky, fun show. It's not a traditional sci-fi, really. It has a lot of interesting elements mixed in. And that show has been on forever, and it has a rabid fan base. Rabid fan base that will watch it and re-watch it and make their kids watch it forever. So, that, that's kind of blended genres because it has some fantasy elements from what I've seen. It has some sci-fi elements. It has time travel elements. It has some comedy thrown in there. That has a lot of different blended things. And look at how rabid the fan base is. And you don't even need it to be everyone. You don't need everybody to like Doctor Who. You just need those people, the Doctor Who people, to like Doctor Who, and then they will buy Doctor Who and watch it and love it forever. Right. So that's the same thing with whatever it is you want to write. So if you write your you know, oh, it's kind of weird, whatever. People like weird stuff. People like different things. People like something that's different from every other thing they've seen before. And if you establish a fan base of people who are enjoying your stories and want to come back for more, you don't need everybody to like your book. Not yeah. not everyone's going to like your book anyway. So what does it matter? Yeah. So, so don't even try to get everyone to like your book. All you need is your people to like your book and they'll keep coming back for more. And like you said... Um, let's say you have this really unique element in your science fiction, but you're just going to call it a science fiction and you're not going to try to mix too much genre. Well, people who would have really appreciated that element won't be able to find it in the gigantic pile of just science fiction, whereas they would have found it in like the science fiction slash time travel slash tree houses category. You know what I mean? (laughs) Okay. So- Uh, Those people would have actually found it there. So like you were saying, don't be afraid to branch out Mm -hmm. because that's actually how your people, your niche will notice you faster and more efficiently.
0: Yeah, 100%. I heard somewhere that you only need 1,000 true fans and that's like all you need for your career because really, yeah. if you sell if you whatever you sell I mean you could sell a higher ticket item obviously but if you even if you're just selling a book you only need a thousand true fans and by true fans I mean people who buy everything you make to sustain your career wow so thinking about that and like yeah you can look at all these role model authors who have like millions of fans but really you don't need that like you only need a very small group of true fans who love you, like you were saying, and would buy anything you put out there and will rapidly be a fan of it. And you're set. You're good to go. Yeah. So I'm sure there's at least a thousand people out there right now who want to read your book, your genre, and they love that sort of thing, exactly how you do it. So that's something to remember about genre blending. So, I think we covered a lot about this top on this topic in today's podcast. I always like to end with a quote, and this quote is by Mary Lou Cook. Creativity is inventing, experimenting, growing, taking risks, breaking rules, making mistakes, and having fun. That's one of the most important ones. Is there at the end, having fun? So So make sure sure you have fun while you're writing and blending genres and making your own new cool thing. So if you enjoyed this episode of The Kate and Abby Show, please share it with a friend. We always appreciate that. Also, give us a nice rating. And again, thank you to our patrons. You guys are amazing. Your support keeps us going. If you get value out of this podcast, go to patreon.com slash the Kate and Abby Show and help us keep this show alive and free of interruptions also be sure to check out the video portion of this podcast you can find that at kate's youtube channel which is youtube.com slash ka emmons and you can also find a ton of great writing resources on my channel which is youtube.com slash abby emmons until next time
1: stay stoked
0: and rock on